Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's show is brought to you by the following sponsor. If you are setting up a new business or just want your existing business to grow, then SB Marketing can offer the help you need. Whether it is brand development, graphic design of adverts, flyers, posters or publications, or to assist you online with a website, email marketing or social media. SB Marketing work with clients from all over. Within Dorset, look no further than the Bear Beer family of micropubs, the White Bear and the Saxon Bear. So to find out more and see the portfolio of work and services, head to www.sbmarketing.co.nz. SB Marketing, help for your business. Ideas, design, online. And welcome to episode 32 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with a returning Sean Barker. And me, Sam Davis and Sean, I just want to say Happy New Year to you. Same to you, chap. And well done last week uh, with the show with Michael. I feel a little bit like Adam Smith. I'm trying to be fudged back into the lineup after a successful victory, (laughs) but I'm sure I can get used to this position out here. I'm sure you'll be all right. So let's see what's coming up on this week's Back of the Net. We kick off with Michael's Millwall match report and it's not easy listening, I've got to warn you now. Plus straight afterwards we'll have the news and views from the media punditry world. Yeah, and then we're going to have a bit of a chat about it. And for me, I think there's probably a lot of questions that we need to discuss and try and see if we can find an answer to it. That's not going to be easy, Sean. And then we're going to have an online review which incorporate your fan thoughts this week. Did Eddie do the right thing? That's the main question. And that will be coming up straight after mine and Sean views. Then we'll move on to, well, I was going to say happier things, but the comings and goings of the players in and out of the club in the last few days, as well as a bit of a chat about some potential players that could be coming in. So that would be positive, won't it? (laughs) And then there's another outgoing Sean, and I'm really sad about this one because Football Manager is going to be given away, Football Manager 17, in association with Sports Interactive. We've been running this now for um, a few weeks we've had loads of entries and I'm going to be randomly picking one out of my lovely red and black top hat here pretty exciting stay tuned for that and then you like me can just spend hours and hours playing that game into the wee small hours but anyway um, we'll finally we'll wrap up the show by previewing the Premier League we're back in the Premier League all our players are going to be rested and we are going to be 
firing on all cylinders as we head to the KC Stadium to take on Hull. So we'll preview that and give you our predictions. So last week I predicted a Bournemouth 2-1 win. Michael predicted a nil-all draw. Let's see what happened. Here's Michael's match report. How much changed Cherries crashed out of the FA Cup in ignominious fashion in the Lions' den on Saturday, losing 3-0 to League One Millwall as a result of insipid performance in the always welcoming environs of South East London. Despite Eddie Howe's vow to put things right after the horrendous showing against Preston in the League Cup in September and Jason Tindall paying lip service to the prestige of the FA Cup in the days leading up to the match, the management duo stuck with their policy of dizzy rotation in naming a completely different starting eleven to that which featured in the dramatic draw with Arsenal earlier in the week. By contrast, Millwall's manager Neil Harris filled with the same team that has begun each of the home side's last five fixtures, and it was clear from the kickoff which team had actually played a competitive fixture together before. The Lions were in control of proceedings from the whistle, with their slightly more direct style reaping far greater dividends than our short passing game. Jordan Lee was starting only his second game for the Cherries and his jitters appeared to get the better of him when he underhit a back pass to Adam Federici. The Australian goalkeeper was able to get the ball ahead of Lee Gregory only to see his attempted clearance fall to Stephen Morrison who, with the goal at his mercy, somehow managed to mishit his shot and put the ball past the post. Morrison's embarrassment was short-lived however when on 26 minutes he gave Harris's side a deserved lead. Referee Andrew Madley awarded a corner as Millwall players appealed for a penalty for handball by Emerson Hindeman, and from Sean Williams' delivery, Morrison headed past Federici at the near post. Eddie threw Callum Wilson on at half-time for the struggling Lee, a change which saw Mark Pugh drop into the unusual position of right-back. Unfortunately, these alterations made little impact, and five minutes after the break, Millwall doubled their lead. Right-back Sean Cummings continued his charge into the Bournemouth penalty area after laying the ball off to Morrison. The Millwall forward then played what at best appeared to be an average return ball, but it hit the onrushing Cummings to beat Federici. With the Cherries fringe players continuing to make a mess of their opportunity to stake a claim for selection in future matches, Eddie brought Dan Gosling on for Heinemann, and later in the half, Steve Cook for Brad Smith. Despite there now being a few of our side on the pitch who had actually met before, there was little change in our fortunes. Bournemouth took control of possession, but were unable to produce a single shot on target throughout the entire tie, Callum Wilson's disallowed late strike notwithstanding. Late on, as we pushed forward for an equaliser, Millwall broke out of defence and Shane Ferguson compounded our embarrassment by firing across Federici to make it 3-0. The usual love in between players and fans at full time was replaced with catcalls and abuse as the travelling supporters let the team know what they thought of their performance, a message which was not entirely appreciated by every member of the squad. Eddie Howe can do little wrong in the eyes of the Cherry Nation, but his attitude towards the Cups is becoming the target for some justified criticism. Over 1,400 of the faithful travelled to the Den for this one, and their effort and sacrifices deserved far more. Yeah, they probably did deserve more for sure. But Michael Dunn there with the report is on Twitter, at all departments if you want to follow him. But Sean is back this week, and it's going to be interesting to see what he's got to say about events. But I just want to say well done, and I salute each and every one of the 1,400 fans that went to watch that. I know as Bournemouth fans, we always criticise or praise relative to the situation we're in. So even last week, 3 all against Arsenal... We were disappointed and we were kicking off. But this week, surely, surely there's reason to complain. But it's started to simmer down a bit now. And we always have a song to accompany the media thoughts. And, well, we've had a few suggestions over the weekend. With Nobby Dog coming up with It's Got To Be Embarrassment By Madness. See where you're going with that. Andy Moore. If you're still after songs, then National SH1T Day by Half Man Half Biscuit might just cover it. Paul Kenwood said the old classic Don't Look Back in Anger. Robbie replied, I'm looking back with anger, Paul. Gary Chapman. This week's music choice should be Foreign Beggars with Bollards featuring Double Edge and Vex D. I changed the word bollards there. And uh, Robbie Korsikoff came in with a winner this week, though. The track choice for today has to be 
Useless by Depeche Mode. It really was that bad. Why couldn't he just put full, field a full-strength side and have a cup run? I agree with You're you. You're Bournemouth of the Premier League. I, if I was Eddie Howe, but I'm not, and Eddie Howe is far more qualified than me, but as somebody who's got to an FA Cup semi-final on a couple of occasions, as a player who didn't play for a massive football club, it's great. It was, it's great. So if you're a Bournemouth player who's been left out today, surely you'd won a cup run because they're not going to go down, Jay. Yeah, yeah. They've been brilliant in the Premier League. It's beginning to... Well, it, it dumbfounds me at times that, that teams that we switch it on its head and say, well, the most important thing is staying in the Premier League. And as you alluded to earlier, these teams look as though they're pretty safe within the Premier League. Absolutely. And a great cup run for their fans would be absolutely fantastic. And imagine Bournemouth going to Wembley. What I would say as well, when you do make 11 changes to your team, um, sometimes with all the best intentions of a manager to want to go out and win the game, it sends a message out to those players that, hang on, this, this competition isn't as important as you think and we're only getting a game because. And their performance drops away accordingly and I think that's what we've seen today. Listen to this, Stephen. Bournemouth, I think, should be punished. Points deducted are better than a fine. Tom Cole, I've had enough of disrespect towards the FA Cup. Mike Jones, I knew Eddie Howe would do this. He did the same against Preston in the League Cup. That's why I stayed at home. Points deducted, fines. What oh, are we talking that's about? Ridiculous. Here? That's ridiculous. That's taking it a bit too far. That's ridiculous because Eddie Howe's prerogative to play. He's got lots of. He's got the squad there, and it's up to him who he plays. Jay. Eddie Howe, though, for that game, made 11 changes. And he's come out and said afterwards, Mark, that it might have been a mistake in hindsight. Can you see where he's coming from there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's always difficult for, for players who haven't been playing week in, week out to come in and gel together um, straight away. And they, and they come up against an opposition who they're at home, they're very proud, they want to they wanna, um, try and progress in the cup. And they've, they've got a great opportunity against a Bournemouth side who has made so many changes. Mm. It's also nice to hear every now and then that a manager does come forward and puts his hands up and says, you know what, I got it wrong. As simple as that. Thank you to Michael Dunn for his comprehensive match report, bringing all the gory details from that defeat at Millwall. And then you heard views from the BBC and Talk Sport. And there was Jason Mohammed, there was Robbie Savage, Stuart Pearce, and then Mark Schwarzer, mate. But, okay, well, normally this is the point where we'll go and we'll discuss the finer points of the game. But I think we're going to be a bit more general and. Sammy, I can see you're getting all red and flustered, so I'm just going to hand over to you. Uh, last week on the show, right, <laughs> Michael was talking to me about how he sort of goes dewy-eyed, as he put it, at the Cup. And he actually said last week he would prefer to win the FA Cup than the Premier League, which I I kind of thought, oh, that's a bit of a strange thing to say. So I don't know how Michael's feeling now, but... We're now out of the most historic and most revered trophy in world football. As Michael explained, we made changes. I can understand why Eddie made the changes. Um, even since even since when we were in the championship, Eddie has always used the cup competitions to rotate players and sort of generally field players that haven't had a chance in the league campaigns. I admit 100%. The business of staying in the, in the Premier League completely outweighs that of winning the Cup a million times over. However, the FA Cup, I don't know. I feel as though it should just be treated with respect, OK? Here is why. When I was a kid, every child used to dream about his team lifting the FA Cup. Yet, yet teams like us are contributing to the slow decline and erosion of what was once a prestigious tournament. It's not just us, okay? We are a number of clubs who are disrespectful when it comes to the FA Club. Yes, when we were a smaller club, we used to dream of meeting the big guns in the third or fourth round. 
you know, if we were lucky enough to get there, not so long ago, Sean, you remember like Bournemouth went wild when Liverpool came to town. It was on ITV. Um, Liverpool ended up playing one of the strongest sides they had available. And whilst whilst we're by no means a big club, when teams in the lower leagues now draw Premier League teams out of the hat, only to realise that they'll end up playing their second string. I don't know, it, it just doesn't feel like David v Goliath now. It it feels like sort of David versus Wolf from Gladiators. <laughs> like people people say to me, like, but the players that Eddie Howe put out should have won the game. Why should have they? Eleven players that have not played together consistently before. A couple of first teamers mixed with some youth, mixed with some reserve uh, res- reserve players who've whose recent experience of games are matches at Canford Park Arena against the likes of Southend and Gillingham. I'm going to go on, Sean. Sorry, you're probably getting a bit annoyed, aren't you? Just you know, say something now. Can I go on? <laughs> Keep going, Sammy. I'm loving it. Keep going. So, okay, for me, right, the want to win a match starts from the top and filters its way down. Uh, and like before, I think the message that the club sent out in terms of the way they respect the cup was evident from when Eddie didn't do the press conference and he sent Jason Tindall out to do it. Even in the press conference, though, Tyndall talks about the importance of the Cup, how it's an incredible tournament. But the reality is, compared to the Premier League, the FA Cup is the excrement that they've just trod in. And that's a fact. I feel so sorry for the fans who travelled up to watch that, well, nonsense. The performance was bad. Whilst there's no guarantee on the ticket that says the team will turn in a stunning performance and win 5-0, I think there should have been at least some kind of professional effort from... The boys in, in what? The ghost green tops. It's like the team were a bunch of ghosts. Let's face it, the the effort they put in only mirrors the same effort that Eddie put in in the pre-match conference. There were there were knee-jerk comments online. You'll hear a few of them later, including myself, that was saying stuff like fans should be compensated and have refunds. And, you know, I, I, I do rebuke that now because it, it was a knee-jerk reaction. But... It's just so frustrating, but knowing Bournemouth as we do, we're now going to go on a five-game unbeaten streak, climb to eighth in the Premier League, Europa beckons. But, Sean, what is your opinion on, firstly, what Eddie Howe did with the 11 changes? Was he right to do it? Do you sort of, kind of, you know, do you echo the opinions of what the fans have been saying online? Because this issue's been, you know, been massive, hasn't it, the last few days? Yeah, it has, and I think... Good word, Sam. I think, and again, you know, I echo definitely echo that in terms of my love of the FA Cup and when it, you know, the coverage would start in the morning on the TV and you'd watch it for three or four hours before the game and they'd have the captains in the hotel saying funny things about every player and and I think <laughs> like there's a bigger thing which is about the FA Cup which is which was by the the powers and I don't mean the powers at AFC Bournemouth I mean the powers at the FA and the Premier League I think have have slowly played a big part in that erosion. I mean, when there was um, FA, wasn't there an FA Cup final once on the same weekend that there was Premier League football? And when they yes, changed was, the yeah. kickoff, they changed the kickoff time as well. And it wasn't a unique event. I mean, all these things, getting rid of the replays, that was all a sign of, well, that's how the, the, the powers that be think about this tournament. And, you know, and the reality is, is the, the money that's in the game now is that, yeah, finishing eighth instead of ninth in the Premier League, you get X amount more millions. And what do you get for getting past the third round of the FA Cup? So that's played a big part, I think, in leading us where we are now. Mm. And that's not that I agree with it. I think that's just the the sad realities of the Cup. And I think you're absolutely right. Teams now go in the hat. Who are they going to get? Oh, yeah. Um, are we going to see a big full strength team or are we not you know so I totally totally agree with you and is it Eddie's responsibility to keep the magic of the FA Cup alive well no is what he will say his job is to keep the side in the Premier League if we'd have fielded a team and it's interesting he he made the comment which was you know Mark Wilson got injured if that had been a first teamer it would have been catastrophic so you know losing to Millwall 3-0 is not catastrophic you know, in according to Eddie, and fans would, I think, argue with that, saying we don't know how long we're going to be a top-flight side. It could be for the next forty years. It could be for the next two years. During this golden period, 
you could contest that this was our best ever chance to progress in a tournament that still holds the stature of the FA Cup in terms of around the world. Did we seize that opportunity? No, we didn't. If we'd have been... Okay, so this is... If we'd have been in the uh, Europa League this year, let's say last season we didn't have the injuries and we had a great year and we snuck into Europe, would we have played a weaker squad if we were playing in the group stages of the Europa League? Or would we have viewed that as an amazing achievement for the club and would we have fielded a full-strength side? Yeah. Is a question that I've got because... I would. I don't think we would have fielded a weakened team in the Europa League because I think we would have thought, well, this is great, we're in Europe, whatever else. For me, that should have been the same approach for the FA Cup. We had mm. a chance, I think, to progress. And who knows how many times we'll get that chance. Maybe we will. And maybe, as you said, we'll look at this in five, six games time and we'll go, oh, do you know what? We don't care anymore. Um, I think it's a bigger issue that um, the FA Cup has slowly been led down the path it's it's on you know and mm. what's what's another interesting point i think there's a, there's a few questions firstly one what did we learn from the preston game eddie said after the preston game he probably yeah. needs to look at the squads that he puts out he looked at it and felt i'm going to do the same thing again you have to look at our reserve squad we're playing in the what's it called the central league which is with mm. south end and um AFC Wimbledon and whatnot. So they're not getting top-level competitive games, are they? So that's not helping the development. Now, that's, again, is that a bigger FA issue or is, you know, are we, how, do we, how do we get our development side, our reserve side to be playing more competitive games? Because clearly it's not, it's not working. We're not playing enough games so that when these guys come in, they're kind of fit and they're ready and they're wearing to go. So then you say, okay, well, then you look at our recruitment policy. We're signing players that are that have huge potential. Heinemann, Lewis Cook spring to mind for me as two players that you look at and you go, whoa, with the right development, they could be great. Now, it wasn't obviously at the game at Millwall, but it sounds like Heinemann needs games and great that he's gone to Rangers to now get that. But if we haven't got the facility to progress these players and by that I mean where our reserve side is not in a competitive nature where we can play enough games that are of a high enough level to develop mm. then do we have to look at those types of players that we're signing and this was a comment that uh, my mate Scott made on Vidal's forum which was saying where we are at the moment with our signings do we need to look at it and go we need to bring in players that are good enough to challenge for a starting place now there's a bigger argument there around wages and salary and can we afford to do it? Um, I like our policy of bringing in these players with huge potential, but how do we realise this potential? Because at the moment, playing them in a cup game every four months and then they get smashed out because they've put 11 that never played together, that's not working. And are we going to see the best from all these players that we've signed that we have huge development for? You know what I mean? Yeah, and... I always feel like, even though I went on a mini rant then, and um, a lot of it, I think, was, you know, well-placed, if we had won that, had we won, the reaction, you know, there would there would be none of this discussion. And let me just wind back two years. We played Rotherham away in the FA Cup, and... Eddie Howe made as good as 11 changes. We had we had a couple of first-teamers in there now. Um, although players that weren't in favour at the time, there was Lee Camp, there was Cargill, Ian Hart, Junior Stanislas, Dan Gosling, who at the time was just on the bench, McDonald, O'Kane, Fraser, Kermigan. We ended up winning 5-1. Would we be having this debate if it was the other way around, Sean? I think then you look at it and go, well, was that a stronger team than the team that we put out? this last week and I think that's mm. again is part of the bigger question I get that but we didn't we got totally outplayed by a league one side no disrespect to them and they played a full strength team but they're still several divisions below us we should have won that game um, I think that team against Rotherham if you played them against that team that we put out against Millwall who would have won it probably the team from that played against Rotherham um, mm. that's I think is part of the the discussion that's certainly being had by fans and fans have every right to 
have these kind of discussions. I think the other thing is, is that what gets thrown up again is people just need to back off and they just need to accept where we are. And, you know, it, we're, we're ninth and that's great. And these people are all doom and gloom and we should support the side through the ups and downs. And we do. When we were in League Two and we had an awful game, we still had these same debates. And I think that's great. And I, I would always want us to care that much. It's that's the for me and having moved away from the UK and now in New Zealand where you know rugby is the game and everyone is obsessed with rugby much like football but it's it's a different passion um all blacks aside because the all blacks are, are their own beast and if they lose it's it's a disaster if they lost in the world cup but that's a different matter but if you look at, at, at the club rugby for example which is massive you know and everyone wears the shirts mm. around or whatever but if a team loses there's not that same depth of care and despondency uh, on a mass level that you get with football. And if you look in the States with, if you follow an NFL team in the States, you know, and I've been over there with, with Americans and they've lost a game. It's not the same disappointment and hurt and, and sometimes anger and frustration and that you get in the UK. And I don't want, football to ever lose that because for me that's 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 what I miss most about living on the other side of the world is is a Saturday afternoon because of the passion and the emotion and the atmosphere and you just don't get that with any other sports so when people say oh we you know we should just relax and we're ninth I don't want us to lose that passion that we've that we've got because that's unique and if that erodes away as well much like the FA Cup then we just become another TV sport and another TV channel Mm, yeah, it's absolutely very, very interesting what you're saying. I mean, I, I'm actually uh, feeling that, uh, you know, quite quite often I am very upset and the feeling lasts for days and days and days. But, you know, I think I was more upset for other fans this time, the 1400 that travelled. I wasn't really upset for myself and I did go on a, you know, a little you know, sort of bit of a rant, but I think how I've got over it quite quickly, even though I went on a four minute <laughs> rampage just then... I am over it, and I think that is just because the cup competition has slowly eroded um, in terms of its importance over the years. But anyway, that's what Sean and I have to say. Very interesting to hear what you fans had to say, and that forms part of this week's online review. It has been an interesting couple of weeks for Bournemouth, scoring three at Swansea, scoring three against Arsenal, conceding three against Arsenal, and then conceding three against Millwall. Now, online, in the AFC Bournemouth world, there is always an overreaction to various situations by a select few, whether it be on the pitch or off the pitch, yet with this particular issue, Bournemouth supporters seem split down the middle in terms of what they thought about the weekend, from Eddie's team selection through to the complete capitulation from the Cherries. That said, with all the paralysis by analysis that's going on, a lot of people are forgetting to credit Millwall for their part in what was a very convincing display by the Lions. Yes, we were absolutely appalling, but the way Millwall performed played an integral part in preventing us doing what we do best. So, to give them another bit of the limelight, here are a couple of views from some Lions fans, from the old through to the very young. What a day yesterday that was down at there. Millwall 3, Bournemouth 0 in the third round of the FA Cup. I'll be honest, I've, I've, I've predicted the uh, reverse of that score. Yes, Bournemouth weren't at full strength. Yes, they made 11 changes, but there's still £40 million pounds worth of talent there that have played against a Division 1 side that has cost pretty much a brilliant game. We've just beat Bournemouth 3-0 at home. I actually thought it was going to be 4-0 to them. I, I just ran down to the front, didn't have a clue what was going on, to be honest. And all the Bournemouth fans are like, just sitting there like any other team would do. Yeah, all right. There's only so much of the South London accent I can take. So, what of Bournemouth? Well, we asked for your views on proceedings, both written and audible. And the first contribution came from Mark Jackson, who said... 
As a Bournemouth fan who's gone to every away game in the past two seasons, I decided against going to Millwall today in anticipation of an unrecognised starting eleven being selected. I was proven right. Eddie has said that he's a big fan of the FA Cup, but I find this difficult to believe when he made 11 changes to the side that played against Arsenal on Tuesday. Any Bournemouth fan will tell you that Eddie always makes multiple changes to the team for Cup games, but to make 11 changes is not only disrespectful to the lower league opposition and to the fans who made the trip, but I also think it's unfair on the players who've been drafted in. Far be it for me to claim that I know better than Eddie, but to put players like Jordan Lee... Emerson Heinemann, Mark Wilson etc into a completely untested team having played no league football at all this season and minimal cup football months back we can't expect them to make an impact with no match practice. Hmm, interesting views Mark and here's what Matt from AFCB TV had to say. Not, not happy at all. 3-0 defeat to Millwall. It was an embarrassing game. Absolutely dreadful. I don't know what the team was doing today. Didn't even have a shot on target. Four shots on goal. Not even on goal. Four shots in the whole game. None on target. We are playing a League One side. Ninth, we did a full starting 11 change. That is one thing. Soon as you see that, we know we're out. You look at Millwall, no changes to their starting lineup. You can see what's going to happen here. They're going to absolutely overrule us and what they did and do. Meanwhile, even after having a few days to calm down, Cherry's fan Jamie Williams said his thoughts on Mill haven't changed. With us sitting in a comfortable distance away from the bottom three, we shouldn't even be looking at that area of the table. Our aim should be to finish as close to the top ten as possible for a start. We've been bouncing around 8th to 14th the last two months. That said, you can understand why Eddie made the changes to give players game time, but those players let him down. However, the blame does fall at his door, I'm afraid. He said he would learn after the Preston game that he spent £40 million on those signings, and having personally watched both games live, you can tell these are players who haven't been playing and competitively lacked any cohesion whatsoever. He went on to say, Losing 3-0 to League One opposition, showing no ounce of quality or desire, losing every duel across the park and having one shot on target in 90 minutes is forgivable. Fans in the away end were singing this is embarrassing because it truly was. Now Jamie, who never shies away from being controversial, always went on to say, I do also want to mention the complete lack of ambition from a section of supporters who probably didn't go to the game, thus not spending 50 to £80 on the day, and also the fans who clapped the players off, having put out the display they did. They've got rose-tinted glasses on. Pointing to our league position and saying it's been worse before, that's the very reason why we should still be in the FA Cup. Nowhere near the relegation zone, and where we've come from, we, as a club, love the opportunity of a cup run in the lower leagues. I, for one, have never seen us play in a final or semi-final at Wembley. The best I've got to see is Millennium Stadium against Lincoln. We've ruined a good chance to go as far as possible because the players, management, etc. served the 1,500 or so fans absolute dross. Hmm... Here's Cherry's fan, Jack. Drove down, five hours, like, traffic's a nightmare. Now I'm in the car with my mate. You know, we've all got Like, you know, it's, and it's the arrogance of Eddie Howe that he thinks he's got the right to turn up off the back of a shocking midweek display, gave away a 3-0 lead, 11 changes. We could have uh, we, 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 we we won it. You know, we got and completely just screwed that up. I, 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 I beg his belief. Now, Thomas Coley got in touch to say, with regards to the FA Cup loss, I think ultimately it was a catch-22 for Eddie. A lot of fans have spoken about giving other players a chance in the team rather than shoehorning regulars like Smith into positions they don't appear natural in. I therefore think Eddie was completely right to offer the likes of Ibe, Musay, Mings and Wilson the chance to impress at Millwall. However, the level of performance really didn't show how much potential we are supposed to have on our bench. It also didn't really illustrate the desire of players to go out and try and get their name on the team sheet for Hull next week. With the loss of Ake, I'm worried about how the defence will cope going forward. Luckily though, I think we've accrued enough points in the first half of the season to ensure we should finish comfortably above the bottom three and maybe we are set for a mid-table finish. Hopefully Eddie has proven tinkering isn't the solution for this team and we can go and grab some deserved points in our next few league outings. 
And finally on Twitter, of course, we have had the mixed bag of comments with Shane Ambridge saying, it's really annoying we don't play our best team when realistically the only trophies we can win is the FA and the Carling Cup. I know, I don't even know what it's called, Shane. But then bright young Eddie on Twitter says, let's get some perspective, pointing back to a tweet which said, eight years ago to the day, me and Tyndall were sharing a bath in a tin tub using a lump of coal because we couldn't afford any soap. AFCB Dad. The players who had chosen should have applied themselves a lot better. Depth and attitude of that group is worrying. Steve Wright. I think a lot is down to the players for not stepping up to the plate. We had enough experience to win the match. Maybe a lot of them hadn't played many matches together. But Ibe, Sermon, Smith, Feds, Pugh, they're all experienced. Eddie needs to give them game time. Red and Black Hexile said, When Eddie shows no interest in progressing, it's no surprise the team are unmotivated, but they should have performed better. Robin Gibson, It was the correct decision by Eddie to rest players. AFCB need to be playing Manu and Liverpool next season, not Burton and Barnsley. Mr Tiggs on Twitter makes an interesting point, saying, With no disrespect to the likes of Southend, but our reserves need to be playing against better opposition regularly. Hmm... It was great to hear from BabyDuck999 who said that £45 million worth of talent should win. I suspect Eddie wanted to protect the first 11, but the board want a top Premier League place probably for more money. It suited both to the detriment of fans. So thank you to everyone who got in touch, and sorry for the people that we couldn't mention, including Peter Kirby, who resorted for the washing up, Dan Stewart, and also Mike Brannan for his comments, as well as Richard Stevens and Paul Kenwoods too. But the last word this week is going to Tim Hancock, who said, Despite the disappointments of the last few days, I keep checking the Premier League table, and every time, AFC Bournemouth are ninth. Well said, Tim. Yeah, I thought there'd be a lot of opinion after the defeat at Millwall. And uh, yeah, Sam, well done for bringing us all of that. And yeah, it seems like a lot of people have very similar thoughts. And um, yeah, but anyway, let's move on to other things that have been happening in and around the club uh, with regards to transfers. Now, of course, the big news was the big goodbye to Nathan Aki, recalled by Chelsea from his loan arrangement so he has gone back to hopefully not just sit on the bench and be one of those subs you see on TV all the time going, oh, I wish he could play. So we do wish him all the very best and, yeah, hopefully see him in blue. And a um, bit of a sad one to see him go, Sam. Yeah, I really was. And what's um, what is sad about it really is, you know, will he be going and just warming Chelsea's bench or will he actually get some sort of game time at Stamford Bridge I would argue that Chelsea have done the wrong thing and he'll probably be more effective in blocking out Chelsea's title rivals by leaving him with us so we can beat <laughs> Liverpool we can beat Man United and we can get the results against Chelsea's rivals because Ake has been absolutely instrumental now he made his debut with us against West Ham away uh, and then he didn't sort of play for us for for quite a while, it was uh, when he scored against Stoke City, he was drafted in in our 1-0 away win. That was on in the 19th of November, but it just makes me think, oh, all those matches where Ake didn't play. You know, what could have happened in those games? But alas, when he did play, he was brilliant for us. And in a way, this kind of goes against my own argument when I was ranting earlier that, you know, players need to be given a chance to shine. And you know, Nathan Ake was, and he definitely did that. And for me, the Stoke City goal was brilliant. Um, you know, the headed goal he scored uh, against Southampton was was also great. But that 4-3 goal against Liverpool will long live in the memory. I've got that game downloaded to my hard drive. I will never let it go. Thank you, Nathan Ake, for that. <laughs> Yeah, quite an image, seeing him running off eh, in our shirt and who knows where he'll end up. Maybe he'll be back one day. Uh, in other news, Emerson Heinemann has gone on loan for the rest of the season to Rangers. So, again, it's, it, I think that's a good thing because it sounds like he's a very highly regarded player within within the squad by Eddie and Jason. So for him to go and play some uh, footy for a, another another big club that's good Bailey Cargill has come back from his loan to Jilly Longball now I presume yeah. that's his <laughs> defensive cover now Aki's gone so they're the definite 
moves so far. In potential transfers, there was talk this week about us making a bid for Pedro Pierra, the Portuguese player, a young player from Sampdoria. There's been rumours of £5 million were offered, £7 million, um, but also Leicester had made a bids a while back and then uh, looks like could be going to Benfica instead. Um, he's a right back, so interesting that we'd be looking at another right back to because, um, you know, you've got right back, right midfield, right right wing, I guess, you know, <laughs> play really hammer that right hand side. Um, but the news has come out in the last 24 hours. And Sammy, let's get your yeah. thoughts. Now, this isn't just one person on Twitter saying that they know the ins and outs. It's been reported by none other than Sky Sports News that AFC Bournemouth have made an inquiry to loan John Terry for the rest of the season. Sammy Davis, what do you think? I must admit this one completely passed me by today. It's been such a busy day. But yeah, the tweet went out from Sky Sports News HQ today at lunchtime. Sky sources have inquired about the possibility of taking John Terry on loan. And I read that again and again, just like I did with Jack Wilshire, really. (laughs) And interestingly, there were the same sort of comments. Why would he go to Bournemouth? Why would he go to Bournemouth? Well, John Terry. Wow. I mean, we've been saying that we need a defender, especially a central defender. Now, Now that Ake's gone, you'd think he'll be an ideal replacement. He's not short of experience. He's not short of endeavour. He works hard for his team. And I think he, you know, a good footballing acquisition for AFC Bournemouth, I would have thought. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think with the with the last uh, international tournament with England crashing out, Abiz Mali again in the Euros, you know, there was off, there was big talk of JT should have been in the side then. Um, and I think that was probably a fair case to be made. Uh, yeah, I mean... It, it, Given the fact that Jack Wilshere has come in and done so well, I think would probably help us in our approach to a player of John Terry's quality. Yes, he's older. Yes, he's not super fast. I still think he can very much do it, probably more so than Sylvain Distan, who when we signed didn't... I felt like he he did a great job for us and he looked so calm on the ball, didn't he? But I think I don't think John Terry's quite in that same mould. I would put him above a player of distance quality, as good as he was. So, would it make a good signing? Yes. Would it help the young lads? Yes. Would it give some stability at the back? Yes. Could Steve Cook learn a lot from a player that's captained England to play at the highest level and you know won most of, if not all, major trophies that he could win for his club? Yes. So, should we sign him? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, I, I mean, I th- you know, I think we shouldn't. You know, Sam Summers on Twitter said, you don't have to like John Terry. He can't stand the guy. But he said, if you if you say you wouldn't take him, you're a liar. And as I said earlier on, I mean, here's a tweet here from Kajuan Shukla. He's a, he's a Chelsea fan. Bournemouth wanting John Terry on loan is quite hilarious, to say the least. Um, there's loads of people who are tweeting in the same vein. Mikkel Astrup, who's a Chelsea fan. I don't see any reason why Terry would go on half a season loan to AFC Bournemouth. Maybe after the season, but not now. Chris Baker says, please God, no. Slow, unreliable and a shadow of the world-class player he once was. Not necessarily agreeing with that. But um, there's also another rumour, isn't there, of a certain Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Sean? Yeah, another one from Chelsea. Now, this was partly came out when Aki went back that supposedly as part of the sweetener for us having to send Aki back, they were going to send us Loftus-Cheek. But then there's been conflicting reports in the last 24 hours to say that, no, Conte said he's not going to go out on loan. So we'll wait and see. Hey, uh, I've just read, got to give mention, the great, just go back to the John Terry. Alex Deutsch, Deutsch, I'm not sure how you say his last name. Deutsch. He has just tweeted out, I cannot wait to see everyone's face when we sign John Terry. And play him in left midfield. <laughs> Just imagine. <laughs> oh, good one. Good one, Alex. So, Sean, I mean, based on, let's just say, uh, no John Terry signing, uh, no Ruben Loss for cheek. Let's just say we've got the team that we've got now. Okay, Nathan Aki's gone. Are we strong enough 
to stay up. Surely we are. We only need, what, 15 more points? Yes. Oh, yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because our next six games, you look at our next six fixtures and I think a large proportion of those are incredibly winnable. So um, other than, we say other than, I mean, they're, they're all tough, but we've got Hull, Watford, Crystal Palace, Everton, Man City, West Brom. So, but you've certainly got out of those next six, I mean, I'd go, well, you take Man City probably out of the equation unless it's one of those magical night games. Um, Everton away, okay, tough. But, and I know this is a very simplistic view, but you've got Hull and you say, well, you'd fancy us to win that. At home to Watford, again, very winnable. Crystal Palace, winnable. West Brom, yes, they're doing well, but again, winnable. So, Potentially, we could have some big points in the bag. If we don't do well in that run, then you start going Man United. You've got West Ham, Swansea, Southampton, but Southampton battle, Liverpool, Chelsea. You know, it's 15 points sounds like it's easy to pick up. But as we know in the Premier League, if you go on a bad run, suddenly you get dragged back down. So I would still want to see us strengthen. I definitely would want to see a strengthen. Um, defensively, yes. I mean, it looks like Tyrone Mings could well be getting a start and put, elevate himself in at centre-back. Um, obviously, with Frano suspended. Do we need to bring someone else in? Yes. Um, also, but then what about, uh, you know, are we are we happy with our strike force, Sam? We've got, you know, Wilson been in and out of Fobe, in and out. Would you want to see us bring in someone else? Or January is notoriously hard to bring in a striker at best of times. And then if you do bring them in, it's normally for a ridiculous amount of money. So do you see any changes up top? I would like us to see... Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd like to see us bring in uh, another striker. Um, you know, Callum Wilson has definitely got it. He, he, he's not having the best of times at the moment. But Benneke Fobe has done done really well and he for me would be uh, preferential to Callum Wilson up front 100% but it's only those two isn't it because Lewis Graben uh, doesn't seem to be an option at the moment and it's you know it's really strange um, where you know he's just sort of disappeared and there have been rumours of him sort of moving on loan somewhere but I mean what's your opinion? Yeah and that's just back to the Graben thing I think Graben playing in that game against Millwall actually to go I know we, we were moved on and we were all positive and now we're going back to it but the fact we played Graben when it sounds like he's clearly been told he can leave and so I would contest was played as an opportunity for a bit of a shop window for scouts to come and play for me kind of probably proves the point that we didn't play all the players as strongly as we could have done but anyway um, yeah it looks like he could well be out the door he hasn't been considered for the Premier League for a long time. Lise Mousset, um has been given some moments, probably not enough to be able to show. I think what he has shown in the rare few minutes watching the highlights of the Millwall game is when he has a, <laughs> a, a pretty good headed chance to score a goal, he needs to turn his head a little bit more to direct yeah. it into the net and not wide. He seems to be a kind of jumps and whichever way his body's facing is the way the ball goes at the moment. But I guess they can work on that. But... Yeah, I just, I'd love to see a, another striker of quality come in, but I don't know, I guess I'm gearing myself up for the realities of January and not being able to get those players. And I still believe, well, I mean, we've still been scoring goals with the squad that we've got. Yeah. Anyway, Sean, it's all going to change this weekend when we win 6-0 at Hull, isn't it, eh? Uh, yeah, may, may, maybe, Sam. Uh, I love your optimism um, f from the guy that said, we were going to beat Millwall, right? Bonjour. My name is Frank Rowling and you're listening Back of the Net. So Cherries travel up north at the weekend as they travel to Hull in search of what I believe would be our first Premier League double. Wouldn't that be good? But Hull may be recently reinvigorated somewhat because Marco Silva has become their new manager. He was actually once sacked for not wearing a suit on match day. And according to one newspaper, 
no experience of English football, an inability to speak the language, and of course his new team are rooted to the bottom of the Premier League table. So many fans and experts are already convinced that he is doomed to failure. They've actually played whilst we've been recording tonight, uh, currently losing 2-0, just about to be confirmed, to Manchester United at Old Trafford in the first leg of their semi-final. Interestingly, I did want to know what was going on with regards to uh, how many of their sort of first teamers that they've actually played tonight. Because I thought, you know, it's their chance of glory this season. What are they going to do now? They've actually uh, got six players playing tonight that played in their last Premier League match, which happened to be uh, a loss at West Brom. But yeah, so they've got six of the same players. So it's going to be an interesting match on Saturday. They're going to be have that new manager playing for him sort of vibe and Bournemouth have come out of a a rather shocking loss away to Millwall but I'm expecting an explosive game Sean and I'm kind of hoping though that we can win this one. Yeah um, so Marcus Silva came in he took charge last weekend when they defeated Swansea 2-0 in the FA Cup so he did get off to a win but the big news up in Hull has been the injury crisis particularly in defence so heading into the EFL Cup semi-final tonight against Man United. They had four injured centre-backs. And then I was just reading in the match um, report of the the game against United that their teenage left back had to go off injured in the last minute. And so they've got a few problems. So he's having to shuffle his pack somewhat. From our perspective, um, I don't think there'll be necessarily too much of a hangover from the Millwall game because... Well, none of the players that played, a pro, you know, very few of them are going to be involved. So I think the guys that on the back of the big Arsenal game will be raring to go. How are we going to line up? Burrich will be back in goal. I, you'd think a back four would be Smith, Cook, Mings and Daniels. Um, with Tyrone Mings coming in to replace Aki Frano, obviously suspended. And they appealed that red card and it got denied. Do we look at a middle of Sermonata Wilshire? And then is it Stanislas King and a Fobe up front? What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I mean, I would like to see that. Um, Benic Fobe, uh, just only today or yesterday, it's been confirmed that he has had international clearance from the Congo to play, which is great. Um, yeah, I think you're pretty much spot on. I mean, that's the team that I would want. Um, Mr. Tiggs on Twitter said, who plays, Mark Wilson or Tyrone Mings? I think it's got to be Mings. You've got the height there. I mean, I don't understand why Mings didn't come on that time against Arsenal, but he put Brad Smith on instead. But Sean, what do you think? Yeah, that was odd. Well, I know Wilson has, he picked up a hamstring strain, didn't he? Because that was Eddie's point in the pre-match, the post-match of the Millwall debacle was basically saying at least it was Mark Wilson that got injured and not one of the, uh, one of the starters. So yeah, you've got to, you've got to think Mings will come in. And it was frustrating, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. Don't, let's, oh, no, don't bring us back to the Arsenal game. <laughs> let's not go there. Let's not go there. Sorry, sorry. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, It's going to be. I think, you know, you've got the middle three spot on. Now, Josh King, is he, he's all right, I take it? Well, yeah, because he went off in the in the Arsenal game and reports that he went off, that he was injured. Um, I see that Fraser's injury apparently is not as bad as they feared so he will be back sooner rather than later but still um I mean Ibe was given 90 minutes at Millwall and there's still obviously lots of talk about Ibe in the press the I think it was the Daily Mail ran a ridiculous headline saying Eddie Howe says he's a disappointment and when you read the story he he said it's disappointing that he hasn't done as well as he wanted but uh, not quite in those same words which I think was a bit harsh on the fact that he is still just a child, he's only 20 years old, but having not impressed against Millwall, surely you're not going to get another chance in the Premier League straight off the bat. So I would expect him probably to be on the bench and not start. But yeah, and then is it a Fobe? Is it Wilson? I, knowing Eddie's pretty loyal, isn't he? And I mean, a Fobe only really sat out because of the the paperwork issue. So I would expect him to start unless, oh, do we see a Fobe and Wilson both played 
together? And do we go more of a 4-4-2? Which, to be fair, we have done against the lesser sides in the Premier League. So maybe we are, maybe we do change our shape and maybe we go 4-4-2 instead and, and try and have a real go at them. But is that our is that our danger? By I mean, we're saying it. They are rooted to the bottom. They are a lesser club. But uh, you know, look what happened when we went to Middlesbrough. Look what happened at home against Sunderland. Uh, I think I'd rather we stuck with four five one. But anyway, I'm going to make a prediction now. Anyway, Sean, because uh, I feel as though um, I need to uh, not sit on the fence about this one. Bournemouth are going to win it. I think Hull are going to have some kind of motivation, as I said, to play for their new manager. However, I don't think it's going to be enough. You know, technically, I think our players um, are better and we will win 3-1. No brackets in the scoreline on the Vidi printer. Just just the three goals, 3-1. Ooh. Now, interesting you've got a three in that score, Sam, because three... <laughs> <laughs> three has been the magic number for us in the... How many times have we conceded three? Like, I don't know, 30 out of the last 32 games have been three. Interestingly, I noticed on the AFC Bournemouth official Twitter account, leading up to the Millwall game, they put a post which said three is the magic number and it had a graphic which showed all the threes and then they made reference to, well, so will it be a 3 nil for Bournemouth? I went to try and find that tweet to see if it was still there after the 3 nil defeat and... It had been deleted. It had been removed from our memory. But now will there be, you reckon there'll be three for us and only one against. I I didn't have a chance to play it on FIFA this week because I'm full-time daddy daycare at the moment. So no time for computer games. Um, so I am going to go 2-2. Two, 2 will two. Two draw. Uh, as you say, I think... They're going to be fired up, new manager. I still think we have some defensive issues that is meaning we're conceding a fair amount of goals. So I think they will score and they'll score a couple, but I think we'll score two. So I'm going to go Hull City two, AFC Bournemouth two. This is Steve Jones and you're listening to Back of the Net. Now, I know you've been waiting all of the show for this, but it's finally time to draw the winner in our Football Manager competition. So in association with Sports Interactive, for the last three weeks, we've been accepting entries via our website for a copy of the game on the PC or Mac. And it's time for me now to draw the winner and I'm really excited about doing this Sean always leaves it to me and I try to come up with some random system we've done pin the tail on the donkey we've done blindfolded uh, spin yourself round 12 times and take a penalty at Dean Court oh no that was something else um, and I missed the target as well let's not talk about that but I've got a load of names here and just want to say thank you to everyone that took part but I'm going to reach into the hat now and pull out a little piece of paper and unfurl it and the winner is a mr daniel sykes from highcliffe daniel congratulations football manager 17 is yours thank you very much for your entry and we'll be getting in touch over the next few days to arrange the delivery of your prize congrats daniel and prepare to have hours and hours of your life stripped from you as you're sat in your undies eating pizza again playing just one more game so well done and thank you very much to our friends at sports interactive for supplying us with a copy of the game to give away now uh, last call the retro shirt poll online it closes this week so this is the last week on next week's show we will be bringing you the results and telling you the top three shirts that will be going to the club and hopefully we might see one or more of them in the club shop so if you haven't already voted on the next classic retro shirt that could well be made and produced and sold in the club shop then head to afcbpodcast.com forward slash retro that's afcbpodcast.com forward slash retro 
pick your top three and next week we will be bringing you the answers i am incredibly excited as are the club they're waiting to hear the results so let's wait and see the purple one's gonna make it or is it who knows i don't know sam won't let me see the results because he thinks i might do some kind of russian hacking <laughs> if you're a company and you'd like to be involved with Back of the Net, we would love to hear from you. As we're seeking sponsors for the rest of this season, we're a free-to-download podcast, and Sean and I produce it from the goodness of our own hearts each and every week. We pay for equipment, hosting, telephone calls, software licenses. Now, at the moment, I've got to say, hosting, uh, it's, it's getting touch and go. There's been a couple of people who've just contacted me in the week saying, site's down, and we are... We are sort of you know, pushing our bandwidth uh, on a weekly basis. Um, but if you've heard our program before, we'd like to think that the quality and production of our show uh, would be a suitable companion for your brand. The sponsorship is on air and it's online. And if you want to get involved, do get in touch. Send us an email, info at afcbpodcast.com or check out more details about it by going to our website. That's afcbpodcast.com and all you need to go is to About Us, Funding and then sponsor the show. Good stuff. Now, life as a Cherries fan has always been ups and downs and maybe all our ups lately have meant the downs seem a lot lower down than come on let's think back and we've had some real dark days and we will rise again so let's get behind the team this weekend whole city away back in the premier league there's only one thing for it sam we need to push for europe now if we're not going to win the fa cup i want to see a european place so come on boys and this has been another episode of back of the net the afc bournemouth podcast Podcast Network.